This podcast is part of the Podcavern Network. Check out other Podcavern shows at podcavern.com. Day 17. Deirdre. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. It took so long for me to record this. Two weeks. In my defense, it's been a long two weeks of trekking in the desert. I covered at least 25 kilometers a day on sand. Densely packed sand, to be sure, but verdammt sand nonetheless. Come evening, that leaves you a bit limp. I don't mind telling you. Then... Last night, I had another dream. More than that in a minute. And I thought, time to send word to D. Tomorrow, I'm not walking. Not in the desert, anyway. I reached the hatch to Schritt 2 this afternoon. Tonight, I'm camping near it. Well, near, but not too near. Because I'd never sleep. Hatches are, uh, well, they're loud. I told you that already, didn't I? And, and the noise of the first hatch is nothing compared to this one. I think they neutralize the sound of the first hatch back in the capital, so people living in the neighborhood won't riot. But every other hatch, when, when you get close, oh boy. But where I am now, I don't even think the mic picks it up. I can't really hear it. There's a very small hostel back in the village with a little canteen and an even smaller chapel. Also an altar to the ancestors, if that's your thing. I ate at the canteen with my buddy Val. They do a fair general tau tofu. Nice and spicy, which was heaven after days of dry rations. But I'm not sleeping at the hostel. It's a beautiful night. I felt like sleeping under the stars before stepping through the hatch. Just like I did those summers of training with Herr Gustavo. Well, the nights it didn't rain. Before I forget, the new finger is working fine, in case you're wondering, D. There was a Cybo counter in Schritt 1. A mobile one, not unlike a hipster food truck, and honestly, at hipster food truck prices. But I did get something pretty serviceable for my money. Right, I say Val, but I didn't tell you about Val, did I? Fellow traveler. From Bochum, I think? Been walking with him for the last eight days, but you'd be surprised how little of one's background one shares on the trail. You're a serious pilgrim, isn't chatty. Not about his or herself. The chatty ones won't arrive to this hatch for another three days at least. If they make it at all. It's lovely here tonight, Deirdre. I got me a little fire going. The sun just went down behind the mountains. Made the hatch glitter, you know. Red and gold on the shivery surface of it. You never think of the hatches as something beautiful. It's cold out, but not freezing, and once I'm ensconced in my sleeping bag, I'll be toasty as all hell. The stars are like snowflakes or jewels stuck up there. 
Life is good. That's me, Vance the Poet. Wait a moment. Le Cantique de Jean Racine by Faure. Faure was not exactly a believer, but God played a fast one on him, and Faure's best stuff is his sacred music. His requiem is off the charts. Look it up. So, Val. I couldn't really tell you much about Val, Deirdre, other than he's a hell of a handsome lad, a good walker, and he can grill cactus leaves to perfection in the middle of Fadamp nowhere. The secret is the proper olive oil, apparently. When we did talk, we swapped walking stories. We talked about food and practical details about life on the road. Most reliable batteries, favorite garbage bags, little tricks, using a picnic table to straighten your tent pegs, burning sage to keep the verdammt mosquitoes away, that sort of stuff. We talked about our practice, obviously. God and pilgrimage and a life dedicated to both. Didn't pray together, though. We all tend to keep that to ourselves a bit, unless we make it to church or temple or whatever. You understand, D? Even though you don't walk, you, you understand. But you know what else we talked about? Hatches. We talked an awful lot about hatches. Which is interesting, because I never spent a second thought on hatches before in my life. I mean, it's like thinking about shuttles. Who thinks about shuttles? Unless it's to know when the next one's due. But Val... He believes he knows a lot about hatches. Do you know who builds the hatches, D? I thought I did. I thought it was, I don't know, the government, I guess. Nope, says Val. The first hatch has been sort of claimed by the city after a fashion, but Val says Capital didn't build it. When I asked who did, he came over all coy and wouldn't tell me. You really meet all kinds of people on the big long road, D. But he has been telling me about what they are. What he thinks they are. How they work. His thesis is that a hatch is not just a machine. Not simply an apparatus, an assemblage of technology. He claims hatches incorporate... Um, um, a spiritual component. Whatever that means. A little bit of soul, he calls it. He gave me a tome, a whole treatise on the subject with diagrams and schematics and things. I've got it on the Omnibook right now. Well, I don't know, Deirdre. I'm pretty sure I don't buy it, to be honest. Two reasons. Reason one... Herr Gustavo never said a word about hatches, not in 12 years of training. There was a lot of scriptures, a lot of praying, a ton of eating leaves and roots, hours of weapons handling and combat, swimming, running, first aid, watercolors, poetry, but hatches, dots on a map, and that only the first three. Reason two, well, it sounds fucking nuts, doesn't it? A little bit of soul? But don't.
On the other hand, I looked it up. And the part about the government not having built the first hatch seems to check out. Apparently, the gal who did build it, yeah, turns out she was, you'll never guess, she was a pilgrim. Like, okay, wow. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Also, I do, in fact, believe in the soul. Don't I, Dave? So, still, admittedly, Val is a little, um, well, intense, to be frank. He's verdammt intense. I guess that's why I'm camping out on my own tonight. I need a little space, I think. Give me a second here. Let's stay with Fori. An Ave Maria. Always up for an Ave Maria. And then the setting of the Tantum Ergo. Ausgezeichnet. Okay. What else? The finger, the walk, fall, the hatches, and the dream. Yeah, of course, the dream. Listen, I know I've, I've been talking about my dreams a lot, but uh, bear with me. Herr Gustavo, he, he never mentioned hatches, but he always said that you should heed your dreams. I'll be honest with you, Dee, I'm, I'm beginning to think something very strange is going on with my dreams. Some of my dreams don't feel like dreams at all. Wait a minute. They feel like, they feel like memories. Sometimes, for a few minutes, I'm not quite sure if I'm in a dream or not. I mean, obviously I'm awake now. But sometimes I wake up. And then I wake up again. And I have this moment of complete terror. Then, an hour later, I think I imagined it all. I don't know. I realize it makes me sound insane. I don't even mind it. I mean, who isn't a little crazy? Who, who isn't a little broken? The Lord be praised. I'd just like to know what's going on, you know? My dream was all about meeting Danica again. I know she was never a favorite D, but she means a lot to me, so just, like, bite your tongue if you find me a bit sappy. I never kept any real secrets from you, you know that, Deirdre. Just details. Danica and I were in a cozy little den, drinking rather excellent beer at a table made out of beautiful lacquered hardwood under a large window. The sky outside was purple, full of buzzing midges as big as marbles. I'm not just naturally descriptive like that. I took notes later. And I knew where I was. Danica has always talked of building a little school somewhere past the fifth or sixth hatch. This was that school. I even knew its name, St. Gemma Gilgani's Academy. Danica has always had a special devotion for St. Gemma. I could hear children reciting, teachers teaching, children playing. So this must have been on Bühne, near Schritt 3. The hatches only start sending you to random destinations by the tenth one or so. She wore a suit. She always looked good in the suit. 
She seemed even younger than when she left, which is ridiculous, of course. But Herr Gustavo did warn us that time eventually goes wonky between the hatches. For some reason, I looked at my left hand, and that was a jolt. The whole thing was verdammt metal. I kind of gasped. I blinked and looked again, and my hand was as it is now. Just a hand, all my fingers. No metal, nothing cyboed, no armor. Dreams, right? I didn't know what to do with myself. Deirdre, you know how I feel about her. I'm sorry I was an asshole about you leaving, I said. You knew I would have to leave, Vance, she said. We both knew. We were both training. But you left four years before I did, I said. Still a bit of an asshole. Four years, Danica. I'm four years older than you are, you imbecile, she said. We finally meet again by the grace of our Lord, and that's what you lead with? I had to leave. You could have come with me to shit eins and seen me off there, but you had to fuck that up as well. You know we couldn't have left together. That's not how the big long road works. What's wrong with you? She was right, of course. But I cried anyway. I'd missed her. God, I miss her. She sighed. In exasperation or fondness, I couldn't really tell you. Then she leaned in, and she was very close to me, very warm. And somehow the shutters went down over the window. Well, you're here now, she whispered in my ear. I, um, I, I forget what happened next in the dream. A bit of a blur. But eventually... We were sitting again, and she said, very earnestly, Listen to me, Vance. Listen carefully. You'll be asked, eventually, and the answer is choice. You just answer choice, and you'll be all right. What the hell? There was another weird, dreamlike time dilation. And we were standing in a field behind the school. The day was overcast. The air was close and moist. I think I was leaving. And I felt sad. Even after she kissed me, I felt sad. I can't hack it as a pilgrim, I said. That did not impress her. I have two gifts for you, she said, pretending I hadn't spoken. One right now, four right now, and another later, for the rest of your life. Obviously, I woke up before I could learn what the gifts were. Verdammt dreams. How can this stuff feel like a memory, down to my bones, if it never happened? Can you remember forward? What would that even mean? It's been a hard two weeks, day, And now I'm both exhausted and bewildered. And I miss you. My best to you and yours. 
Exams are coming up, I suppose. Hope it all goes well. I'll read a bit of Wall's book about hatches now, I think. If it's good, that's good. If it sends me to sleep, that's good too. Notes to Oniric, Day 17, by Tefer Troy, Doctoral Candidate, Alternative Narrative Traditions, Université de Montréal, October 14, 683. UDMID-TT-603-782. Two important figures make their formal entrance in this episode, though one is still only seen in a dream sequence. Danica was mentioned in the very first episode, when Vonderer wondered if she had become a wise witch on Bühne after her own departure on the pilgrimage. If this dream is to be believed, and not all of them are, this has indeed been her fate. The wise, but not always benevolent, hermit-slash-magician-slash-witch is a classic stock character in heroic narratives. The evil Circe from the Odyssey, the hermit Good from Coleridge's Ancient Mariner, Zalata from Howard's Conan novel The Hour of the Dragon, Danica is in good company. It is to be noted that the author subverts the trope somewhat by making the witch a childhood friend of the protagonist, and by hinting at an erotic encounter with her. It will be interesting to see if the real Danica, whom we will meet later in the story, matches the Soniric one. The character of Val is not as easily circumscribed. Outside of his obvious function as a signpost for the thematic importance of hatches, he tends to be something of a cipher. I will merely note that the word Val in German means choice. Danica's admonition to Vans to answer an as-yet-unasked question with that very word is obviously not fortuitous, though it hardly fleshes out Val as a character. St. Gemma Galgani was an Italian mystic who experienced stigmata and was prone to ecstatic episodes. She was canonized in 1940 of the Old Calendar by Pope Pius XII. Hey, what's going on? We are Pull the Plug Podcast with myself, Mrs. Godzilla. And me, Justin G. Myself, Justin Briner. And me, Sarah M. Pull the Plug Podcast, it's a place where music fans, pop culture nerds, and people who love dick jokes come together each week. A place of worship, if you will. Check us out at ptppodcast.com for all your dick needs. 